lot of different assumptions and different um, ideas about about mega churches or what would even qualify sure. as a mega church. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that hate it. And then you know, at the end of the day, it's like, well, you know, listening to God. Yeah. What is God saying? Yeah. And you will know a tree by its fruit. Right. So you can very look at the fruit. Like like I said, it's not the best church, um, but I'm very grateful to be a part of it. How about you? Gun. I'm very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding a finger gun to Arvin. I, I'm like, are you I, grateful? I'll tell you, I don't know about ranking churches. It's the best for me. I think it's God, the best for you. I feel very grateful. God has my wife and I here. I met my wife here. Wow. Um, she wasn't my wife when I met her. But <laughs> and you told I her, her I said uh, in a prayer no, service. Oh my God. You were like, <laughs> no, no, I did no, not do that. Kidding. Thankfully, um, yeah, uh, it probably wouldn't have worked if I had. Yes, um, which is great. Yeah, you know what's unique yeah. is that there is this traveling evangelist, really powerful, very, very word of God, word of God guy named John Bevere, and he mm -hmm. said, "You actually don't choose where you go to church." I agree, absolutely. You don't choose where right. you go to church. Totally. Now, yeah. some this may trigger some people who are listening or watching. Yeah. You don't choose where you go to church. Yeah, yeah. And then he began to prove in Scripture how about. God leads you and calls you yeah, to a church and yeah. you better not leave. Right. Unless God leads you out. Yeah. 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 Which people really my age have lost that. It's like a thing. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. in, in your age, you're 19. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Funny. Oh God. Uh, yeah. I'm 28, which is basically 19. I understand that yeah. everyone over 35 is like, you guys are all kids. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I made peace with it. But yeah, I don't, uh, I think it's become a thing where there probably is a season in time, maybe at 19 when kind of vibe into different churches is a thing. But at some point I think you have to be planted because you're not looking for what are you looking for if you're if you're jumping around is it like a perfect environment is it where your needs and your gifts are met most or what's Ooh, the what do you convicting. how do you even use that to measure i know a lot of people that i went to school with who they picked the church based on who um how the most available rung on the ladder that they could be up whether it was in worship or in ministry or whatever so wait a second okay so tulsa is kind of the bible belt people call it tulsa Jerusalem. that's right there are giant structures in our city yeah. There are massive praying hands that are about <laughs> 35 feet tall yeah. that come out of the ground. Yeah. When people, to us, we yeah. see it every day. There's also three buildings that are the height, width, and length of Noah's Ark. Right. In, like, <laughs> yeah. in this city, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there is prayer gardens where people come from other places, whether it's Chicago or St. Louis, they go, what's a prayer garden? Like, <laughs> is this for Tai Chi? And I go, no, it's a Bible thing. Yeah, and then yeah, they're yeah. like, it's for chai tea. It's for, oh, <laughs> okay. So that was That's dumb. So dumb. But if I you're listening it. and that made it into the final cut of the podcast, praise God. Yes. Yeah, so anyways. anyways, but Tulsa Jerusalem is, is a unique, is a unique place. There is a church and a quick trip on every corner and a yeah. CVS. Yeah. And so, and um, lots of coffee shops and a beautiful river that we need to get more water in, right. but we're grateful for it. That's right. So anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but with it, it does draw a unique with, w there's lots of Bible schools. There is a large Christian university. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots of really great churches here. So it automatically draws people, mm -hmm. you know, especially if you are getting trained and you feel called into ministry, yeah. a 
a natural temptation would be like, I want to attend a place where I can climb the ladder, mm-hmm. where sure. I can get a microphone, where I can get a platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that? I, I was about to ask you, what's that like? <laughs> <laughs> I, you go, Arvin, you did that. No, uh, what's no, no, on? no. No, I... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, what were you going to ask then in that case? No, I just wanted to know because this is be, it's leading I, I into will our say conversation. I grew up uh, in it and subscribed to it, but I never succeeded at it by the mercy of God. So, um, yeah, everything I put my hand to between 18 and 25 turned to um, mush and dust. So mm. I, I had the, the benefit of failing early and often. Uh, but I watched people do it, and I can't pass judgment on them. I understand that if, if it yeah. had worked for me, I would have done the same thing. But, yeah, I think going back to the thing you brought up initially, it, you're planted where God has you, and um, it's going to be very uh, good, bad, and ugly because that's essentially what the church is uh, addressing. And if you go to a church where everyone's just fine all the time, like you might be in a cult because that's <laughs> – yeah. you know what I mean? But, yeah. As, yeah. With, so, and it leads us today – about cringy conversations yeah. creates culture. Yeah. Cringy conversations yeah. creates culture. Yeah. Cringy conversations creates... And what I mean by cringy is uncomfortable conversations yeah. that you have to necessary. have with people that yeah. are necessary yeah. to protect the culture by the grace of God. Right. Not because we are amazing human beings. We are completely flawed. But this ministry has been around for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And it's not because someone has an iron will or pastor Paul and pastor Ashley are the best human beings on earth. They'll be the first one to tell you they're very vulnerable about like how yeah. much they mess up and all those types of things. Yeah. And, and my parents, they weren't perfect. Mm-hmm. The ones that established this ministry, but seeing behind the scenes, it was mm-hmm. like hardcore conversations that had to happen mm-hmm. where you could hear a pin drop <laughs> And, the, and, and they were confronting conversations that, that they had to have to protect the culture. Yeah. Because the culture, like the soil, yeah. it helps healthy soil, healthy things grow. Right. But as soon as you allow a small weed and you don't address it, yeah. and you because you're like, ugh, yeah. that conversation's going to be cringy. Sure. That right. is where things can stop growing. Absolutely. Um, you know, because like small things unaddressed over time mm-hmm. make it into a big thing. Yeah. And so <clears throat> anyways, yeah, we were talking about a cringy conversation. So uh, we have the opportunity of serving in productions and in the creative department here. And within our department, you have, uh, you know, people mm. who are artists, who are creatives and doing yeah. things. Yeah. And so sometimes with that, with the really, really creative, people have told me on the outside, they said, how do you work with creatives? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, do they come in on time? Mm. Are they, because they're this artistic mindset, like do do they take feedback well, or do they get their feelings hurt? And, you know, honestly, thank God it is, like I said, it's not the best culture, Mm -hmm. but I, I feel very, very blessed with the people that we get to work with and serve with yeah. that before coming into it, yeah. we were very open and honest on the hiring of being like, hey, it will be long hours. Yeah. Hey, we will probably have to call you last minute on yeah. certain things sure. and, um, and be like um, all of these graphics that you just sent in for whatever it is, whether it is for an encounter woman's weekend, a conference merch that we are printing, like we'll probably come against and be like, Oh, let's use a different font. Let's use a different color. And 
you as a person, you just, you can't get butt hurt. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, basically yeah. because it's like, so it's, so those, t- those types of conversations, mm-hmm. ha- having healthy conversations behind closed doors instead of in front of everyone, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. healthy conversations means like, Hey, this really hurt me mm-hmm. or this is not acceptable mm-hmm. or whatever it is being completely yeah. open and honest yeah. and then allowing to work through that. And then even sometimes agreeing to disagree on things right. like, and be like, you know what? <laughs> I disagree, but I'm going to submit because yeah. I feel called here. Yeah. And, and we've told that whenever people have um, wanted to work at victory, I always ask them why victory. Mm-hmm. And then I allow people to talk and then I go, okay, do you feel called that? Do you feel called where pastor Paul could be your pastor? Mm -hmm. And I will ask this too. If I am doing interviews with school teachers Mm. within our school, Mm -hmm. we have a school of about a little over 1100 students. And so you have all of these coaches and some coaches are like, well, I just want to be in a Christian atmosphere and I want to coach football. And I go, right. But on the weekends, do you, do you feel called to say that guy who's 13 years younger than me is going to be my pastor. (laughs) Like that's a hard pill to swallow, but I want to ask them on the front end. That way there's no surprises. Yeah. Yeah. And then one thing that we do not force people to, but we encourage a healthy culture of tithes and offering. And this people get up in arms when it comes to finances, but it's not about us trying to control people's money. Right. It is us knowing and believing that the principles of the kingdom of God actually work. We believe in the Bible and the Bible says that you tithe 10%. We're not asking all of it. And then there's sometimes where you give a sacrificial offering or something where you're like, this is okay. This is, this is going to be tough, but I feel I, in my prayer time, I feel called to give. Mm -hmm. And what we have seen, is we've seen miracles happen in people's lives where victory and no human can take credit for it Mm. because they have bought in to the principles of tithes and offering. But that's a conversation that we talk openly in all staff about. And some people, if you're a leader, that you just have to have some type of fortitude Mm. or resilience Mm -hmm. to be okay with not everyone liking you. So sometimes those cringy conversations are so important. If you are someone that's listening or watching and you are a leader, or maybe you're not a leader Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, and, and, and maybe you've had a cringy conversation happen to you Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. now re going back to that and being like, okay, was this individual trying to Mm -hmm. protect the culture of a friendship an organization, a marriage, like whatever it is. Right. Right. I think it's interesting. What makes them cringy is that those conversations happen in any institution and organization. So whether you work at Amazon. Yeah, imagine working anywhere. I won't even name a place, but anywhere you work and your boss, like if your boss came to you and said, hey, can we shift the way we're doing this? That happens daily in any other job. But I think the reason for that is part of the reason for this podcast even is that what makes them cringy is there are unspoken expectations of this is what I thought a church would be like and what I thought working at one would be like. I didn't think I thought we all came here. We were just nice to each other and we just kind of so for there to be correction or for there to be culture uh, or for there to be. I didn't expect any of that. And so now you're asking me to honor a culture. I wasn't you have to very quickly become self-aware 
to be on staff at a church and to uh, to have unity among the staff because part of what any company has a product they put out there, whether they're selling something or whether yeah, they're Yeah, use an, an example. I'm saying if you go to Quick Trip, they have a— Quick Trip is a gas station here in Tulsa, right. Oklahoma. You're buying gas. That has right. monopolized. It's basically—it's pretty legit. It's right. They have a lot of cool things. Go. Yeah, so they sell stuff. They have gas, whatever. But when you work there, the other thing is, is there's a culture of people who work there. So there's a level of culture. If you go to Victory and you're a member here and you're plugged in and planted, there's a level of culture that you're getting from your interactions with the other members, what you're hearing from the platform, etc. When you're on staff, you're, you're eating that culture for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And uh, so the... The whole reason that it's cringy is because people tend to have an assumption that they're not even aware that they have of like, I thought when I was on staff, like I was so excited about my gifts being used. I didn't understand that I was going to have to uh, either pause that or put adjustments on it. And so you dive in. The, that's what makes them cringy is the yeah. fact that you feel a little blindsided that, oh, I thought I was just going to show up here and then it was just going to turn into my show and it was going to turn into me being um, platformed and showcased and all that stuff. Yikes. And very quickly you're confronted with like one Jesus's church, not just victory, but Jesus's church around the world is not going to be a place where people show up. This is not Instagram. Like you don't show up here to just platform yourself. Wow. Um, that's good. And that's been confusing in, in America for the last 70 years since the mega church was invented. But, Anyways, moving on to cringy conversations, people, the cringiest conversations first have to happen with yourself. Ooh, that's good. The, the cringiest conversations have to happen with yourself first. And if you don't have them, then you'll behave uh, on staff in a way that people are like, well, that's not the culture. Okay. So if you want to ignore it. Okay. So I'm going to give an example. Yeah. All right. So we had an outdoor service in uh, Victory Park over here. Yeah. And... I see an individual and this individual is very, and I'm not going to say their name because this is a podcast. Sure. And <laughs> what if I did? Um, you go, it was Arvin. <laughs> yeah, I go. Yeah. Um, so anyways, this individual pure heart um, is, um, it, you know, leads in, in different areas Yeah, is, you know, uh, but basically during a ministry moment begins hugging yeah. And like, like hugging and ministering to the opposite sex that is under the age of 18. Right. And immediate. And I, and I'm like, whoa, yeah, this is not. So in my mind, <laughs> I see this happen and yeah. everyone who's probably watching it happen yeah. at the altar yeah. is probably thinking, oh, they're brother and sister or whatever. Yeah. I know the story. Yeah. So even though he does not even serve in my department right. immediately. I go to that department head within a yeah. seconds and I go, Hey, get your boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like get your boy. Which, okay. So you're referring to and so, the thing that's obvious to you. That's not obvious. To everyone is that is probably not a wise approach for opposite genders to meet at the altar. That's just not the place for it. Okay, yeah. That's an unspoken thing That's that we just know. That's an unspoken thing. Yeah. But some people don't connect the dots. And right. so, like, they feel this ministry, and they're like, oh, man, you see that hot girl over there? I'm going to go minister to her by the laying on of hands. And I'm like, you're going to jail. So awkward. Yeah, like, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and not that, and not, 
and, and vice versa. Sure. Regardless, yeah. it was it was something that it was like, hey, do you know why? And first, and and being like, I know this isn't your heart. And and then me and the department head were able to sit down. Hey, I know this is not your heart. Do you know why we don't do this? Do you know why? Right, right. right. And then and allowing that we we didn't lay the hammer, no, but it was a conversation. Yeah. <clears throat> But it was one of those things where very easily, yeah, it, I could have just avoided it. Right. But that would have been a small weed. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So here's the thing: if you are a leader of anything, if you smell smoke, mm-hmm. address it, totally. put it out before there's a fire. Totally. And if you're not a leader, look at your own life. And yes. Because okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one thing I told life. you yesterday. Yeah. So I was okay, and I've said this on podcast before. Um, through uh, some false accusations and some other things and just a really, really unfortunate situation. And if you want to know what it is, you can listen to the other podcasts. But I ended up in jail. Um, Now, thank God, all charges were dropped, all these things and everything, and it was proven guilty. But after that, so I I was in youth ministry and I was a youth pastor and I was trying to be a funny guy. So Twitter was popping off at the time. And in my mind, I was like, I'm going to be a funny guy. You know, I want to make sure that I connect with the, with the students. (laughs) And so I would basically put out these one liners that were just jokes. They weren't anything. And there was someone who was not related to me. And, um, he actually was over the, he was actually over our local outreach. He Mm -hmm. came up to me and he just was like, John, you need to delete those tweets. Mm. Now, here's the thing. Now, me, I'm like, this person is just jealous because they don't have a social media platform like I do, like popping off at the time, whatever. Or I also did Vine. Does anyone remember Vine? Absolutely. Yeah. So I would do wild videos and none of them were bad. They were just wild. And the goal was shock humor, right? right? Six seconds, make someone laugh. Right. And this individual would be like, hey, you need to delete these, da 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 And he's like, I'm just asking you, what do you want to be known for? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so there was multiple times where I had to go back and to delete social media posts. Mm -hmm. Whether I was excited about it or not, I did it. And then... Over time, I began to realize this person was guarding a culture. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if if some because at that point in time, my dad had just passed away. Mm-hmm. I'm the pastor's son. Mm-hmm. This guy is not my boss. Right. But he came to me yeah. because he cared about the culture. Yeah. And I am so grateful for this individual that he. You yeah. need individuals in your life that will have the cringy conversations totally. that'll that will check you. Right. And so now, because he helped me see that in me and for a full year. And so like, and, and I even deleted my vine and all that type of stuff. Cause at the end of the day, I was like, what is this? What yeah, is this for? Yeah. And what am I doing? Right. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyways, but it, it was unique that even those small things, mm-hmm. it helped me, um, it helped me become the person that I want to be, not just for not just for John, yeah. but for God. And who am I representing? Like you're representing victory everywhere you go. So if you trash a theater, mm-hmm. guess what? People 
go Psh, look at victory. If I right. now this is the hard thing. If I have a victory sticker on the back of my car and I cut people, <laughs> I am not a good driver, guys. Not. And so I've debated. I'm like, do I put a victory sticker on, or is everyone going to be very upset? And then I thought, you know what? I'm going to show people that people at Victory are human. So <laughs> that way they're run like, those red lights. run those red lights, be a bad driver. And people go, man, man, Victory. That guy's super humble. Super <laughs> humble. <laughs> no, sorry. That, that was probably a backfire. But yeah. um, anyways, I'm, I am getting better. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, but I say all that to say of like, Arvin, have you ever had anyone have that conversation with dozens you? Dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And how did that feel initially? In the moment, it's very, it's cringy. It's like, one, if you're caught off guard, it's really sad. And you're like, man, I thought this and that. And I, you know, thankfully, if you don't, I mean, the reality is if you don't have them, you become a, a, an unaware person who uh, is not equipped to serve people. Yeah. And that's the big thing is like the reason that person had that conversation with you. I think of dozens of times my dad has had that conversation with me, depending on where I was at in my maturity. It needs to happen. If it doesn't happen, here you are trying to relate to people and you're not even on the same page, like in terms of society or culture or whatever. So it's a really interesting thing that uh, while God is maturing you, you're also trying to serve him with reaching people and to put those two things next to each other, that the collision of those two things is where the more, I think if you fall in love with it and you go, let's just laugh at ourselves and, oh, wow, I need to be aware here. I need to learn this. I need to research this. I need to read this. I need to do that. That's why if you're a leader and you're unwilling to have those conversations, it's probably because you just want people to like you. Ooh, That's say that again. Say that again, because I think this is a good thing you are saying. <laughs> if you're a leader who's unwilling to have uh, those difficult conversations to protect your culture, it's probably because you just want people to like you. The problem with people-pleasing isn't just that uh, it's, it breeds insecurity. It's that you cannot have a culture if you're people-pleasing. If you have a group and of people, people pleasing is basically just being like, I want everyone to have a positive regard for me. I don't want anyone to have an opportunity to misunderstand hmm. me. I want them to think highly of me and only highly of me. I don't want to have to like confront. Like if that had happened with that young man, you go, ah, I just, I don't want him to like, yeah. Like I want him to think I'm cool. Then you are potentially also endangering the people that are supposed to be protected. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So now it becomes real talk. That, that's where that's the collision. That's where the OK. So this person is volunteering. They're maturing in their walk with Christ. And at the same time, they're serving, which is great. You don't have to be perfect to serve. You don't have to behave before you belong, all that stuff. So the collision there is, oh, here, that doesn't have to be cringy if you fall in love with it and you go, hey, I want to be corrected. I want to be taught. I want to be trained. I want to grow. That's essentially the, it's the, people have turned into experts and the, they, everyone shows up and goes, I have uh, everything figured out already. That doesn't have to be the case. If That's you show true. up. I mean, the people I love the most who even are leaders are people who show up and are still students and they're going, I'm wow, still being to teachable. Yeah. Learning. I had a buddy tell me recently, and I'm sure this is from dozens of leadership books or whatever, but it's a good uh, axiom to understand. 
the best person in the room, the person who commands the room, is not the person who's the most interesting. It's the person who's the, the most, most interested. interested. Say it again. Yeah. The person who commands the attention of the room is not the person who's most interesting. It's but the, the person, person who's the most interested. interested. So if you just have that humble approach to life where you're like, I want to learn. I want to learn how to do something correctly. And if I'm doing something well already, I'd like to learn how to do it better. Not for my worth or my validation as a person, but because the better this operates, the more I can, like, I'm constantly doing it in production stuff that we do. I'm looking at our audition process. How can we make that better? How can we make this thing work quicker and move faster, um, see more people and give more people opportunities to, to serve in the productions? If you're not doing that, you're going to plateau. And then I think the, people, the reason a lot of people do that is because they're waiting for their chance to be in charge. And if you're treating your present life like I'm just waiting until I get the mic, I'm just waiting until I'm the leader, I'm just waiting until I'm in charge, you need a cringy conversation. That's true. And to, I was yeah. just thinking about leaders, you know, after COVID, basically there are leaders that have decision making fatigue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Decision making fatigue because it all of a sudden everything from business to ministry mm -hmm. to medical to so many things have changed. And so you have to constantly, and yeah. so you feel tired. So then these, there are leaders and pastors that want to take vacations, mm -hmm. but if they've never had those hardcore cringy conversations in the back of their mind, they're like, yeah. I'm constantly texting people. Mm -hmm. I, I can't go on vacation mm. because I don't know if I trust the people that mm. I left. Mm. And then my question is, why don't you trust those people? Well, because you never had the conversations to instill culture because culture can grow, can grow and sustain even yeah. when the farmer's not there. Right. That's right. So a field, like if it's a healthy culture, let's just go farming, right? Mm -hmm. Like, once you begin to cultivate, if the farmer is not there a day, that culture is still growing and it's mm -hmm. still moving forward mm -hmm. because it's been so, um, it's been so intentional mm -hmm. on the culture mm -hmm. and intentional is those, those hard conversations and hard conversations with yourself, with those people that are serving with you, that are serving underneath you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that is because then you can finally and truly be mm -hmm. at peace. You know, I, I, I think about um, <laughs> there are there are certain parents that really, really impress me. They have mm -hmm. there, there is a, a family on staff, Ryan and Jill Stafford, mm -hmm. and they're involved in the productions. They're also staff pastors. Mm -hmm. How many kids do they have? I think it's six kids, six kids. And for a while they were living in a apartment mm -hmm. for like years because they were over our internship and all the interns lived in apartments. So they needed to be there. Anyways, they finally were able to move into a house. But during this whole time, I was like, how do you guys do all the things that you do yeah. and like have kids like yeah. do you? And then they're like, it is not easy. It's very tough. It's very difficult. It's very draining. But we have tried to be so intentional with every older sibling mm -hmm. that every older sibling yeah. like in the morning gets this kid dressed, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. gets the younger sibling dressed and then feeds mm. the breakfast and then the dinner and da, 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 da yeah. to where they're like, that's the only way we know how to do it. Mm -hmm. So I'm even thinking of, of like people in smaller organizations or smaller churches or smaller things of being like, there is a way to, 
to correct things because Ryan and Jill Stafford, mm -hmm. these people are incredible, but they're like, honestly, we figured out a culture that we wanted our home to be in. Mm -hmm. And then we just yeah. leaned into it. Right. And we were like, hey guys, mm -hmm. this is when the TV is off. Mm -hmm. And then we put different siblings in charge of certain stuff because yeah. they couldn't afford babysitters for a season. Yeah. And, and I was just like, oh man, that is great leadership. That's mm -hmm. like leading in the home, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's why it makes sense of like, they do it on a larger scale within the church. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, they just kind of yeah. retweeted totally. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. they did at home yeah. in the church with all yeah. the things that they're over with. And they just kind of copy and pasted the culture of, you know, mm -hmm. raise one up, yeah. do things correctly yeah. with integrity. Yeah. Anyways. So I know that that was a, that was a stretch, but mm. all of those things, I think, and it's not to say that hiccups won't come. Sure. But I think if you smell smoke, addressing it, yeah. and then, uh, you know, as, e even in yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, we'll close out with this, is that, you know, Pastor Paul was meeting with um, our some of our lead servants the other day, and he was talking about protecting the culture. We've had an influx of so many new students, which it's is awesome. great. Praise God. A lot, of, a lot of new students have come to our school from public schools because of the mass mandate and a bunch of like hmm. um, a, a bunch of different hoops that they have to jump through and schools canceling and all that type of stuff. And they're just, and parents are like, listen, we may not be Christian or churchgoers, but we're just going to put our kids in at victory Christian mm -hmm. school just because it's just less stressful. Mm -hmm. So they may not even believe in God. So while this is happening, Paul is like, every teacher now has to become a Bible teacher. So mm -hmm. I need to make sure that every teacher understands why mm -hmm. we believe in tongues. Mm -hmm. Not that we pray in tongues all the time. Not that we're like Harry Potter casting spells, yeah. you know, but, but like why we believe in tongues, why we believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Yeah, you know, of like why we believe what we believe. Yeah, And so now Pastor Paul was communicating, Pastor Paul was like, whenever I was in seminary at a, um, a, a Christian university here in our town, there were professors mm -hmm. that bashed on the person who started the university. Mm -hmm. So these professors were like, we disagree. And they bashed on what the founder of this university, this man who's a great revivalist, sure. who there was healings and signs and wonders and all these different. And then he built a university. Mm -hmm. These professors that were teaching my brother were like, well, we're against him. And Paul was like, these professors are accepting a paycheck mm -hmm. from like this, yeah. the dude that they're bashing on is their sugar daddy, like <laughs> the guy who's paying them. And yet they don't line up with the culture. And so in his mind, Paul was like, this will never, ever happen. I always want to make sure yeah. that we are making sure that yeah. the, um, that, that our heart yeah. remains with who we are, what we are, yeah. um, within what we believe. Yeah. And so we have a saying within our creative department is, mm -hmm. The heart for the house mm -hmm. drives the art for the house. Yeah. The heart for the house drives the art mm -hmm. of the house. Mm -hmm. So our heart for this house, for victory, for the culture, for behind the scenes of our best days, yeah. it is it is like it drives everything that we do. Whether right. it's a video, a podcast, a graphic, yeah. it's like in the back of our minds we go, is this victory? Yeah. You know, absolutely. It, and it may not be for everybody, but yeah. it's for us. Absolutely. So. Yeah.
Uh, the last thing I'll say is the overarching wisdom behind all this is the idea in Scripture of unity. Unity. In if, for in, in order to prepare people for their destiny, God puts them under a person or a couple. Thankfully, nowadays, it's mostly couples. And um, you have to choose harmony and unity uh, over showcasing yourself daily. Mm. And so when you honor unity, that's what Psalm 17 says. Harmony and unity is as precious as the anointing of God. Wow. So it's saying, like, I am more interested in the God-given anointing on this church being propelled forward and me helping push that forward than I am interested in, hey, Arvin Sepper did something awesome. If I have to pick between the two and I choose myself over unity more often, I hope someone would love me enough to confront me there and have a cringy conversation because unity is more important. I've even, there have been times where I've, I've realized sometimes there's a, I might have a better idea but the reality is God's going to bless unity. And I think God honors a person. Yeah, that's scripture. Serves, yeah, who's going to say, I'm humble enough to go, let's, okay, well, if we're going to put our effort behind this idea, I'm jumping in as though it were my idea. I'm not mm, over here like, that's good. Hmm, well, I did have this other idea. Yeah, arms yeah, yeah. folded on the right. sidelines. Yeah, I think <laughs> unity is so much more important than um, me being showcased or some other person being showcased. And if you have that attitude, then a whole lot of stuff becomes possible that wasn't possible before. Where there is unity, God commands his blessing, Absolutely. which means the opposite. Mm -hmm. If you have no disunity. Like what's the opposite of a blessing? A curse. A curse. Yeah. Yeah. So I just don't want that. I don't either. And so, yeah. yeah. Anyways, well, I, we hope that this helped. And if this was a cringy conversation, <laughs> if this triggered you, hey, we get it. It's okay. Sure. But maybe um, comment, you know, let us know what you think and maybe where you've seen this in the organization that you're in. And but at the end of the day, my name is John and I'm your friend. My name is Arvin. I'm also your friend. Thank you <laughs> for listening and just hanging out with us on behind the scenes of our best days. See ya. See ya.